the unscrewable God is what we ministered the last time. And this evening, as we look to the final verse, verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. The first point that we look at from the scripture is we explain what really is the sovereignty of God. Because this, these three phrases, three prepositional phrases, really captures the sovereignty of God. It captures all of scripture. Because it says, from him are all things, all things, through him are all things, and to him are all things. We left out anything? Anything is left out? I don't think so. Some theologians say the doctrine of God's sovereignty is condensed in these three phrases. And this evening, as we look at these three prepositional phrases in the light of God's sovereignty, we will see how our salvation is from Him. Our salvation is through Him and it is to His glory. Amen. Something of God means that God does as He pleases, how He pleases, when He pleases, where He pleases, with whom He pleases. God is and God reigns. Nothing is outside of His control. Not even His power can fall to the ground outside of His will. God is in complete control of his universe and everything within it. There's an <clears throat> old song, um, I believe some of us may know it. Um, I for sure do know it, I don't know. The younger folks may not. But it was made popular in 1958. That's a long time ago. Doris Day says, and her song, K Sarah What will be, will be. Oh, like you're familiar with that song? Yes. What will be, will be. But for us as believers, that is that is a that's a world's view. But for our worldview, our Christian worldview, is that what God's will will be. That is a song, a fallback song that persons when they go through, they're very stressed in life. They fall back on, oh dear, whatever happened, happened. But for us, we know, we understand, and we rest that in God's will, we rest that we know for sure that God directs all things for our good, for our eternity.
alternative. And therefore, even when trouble comes, we know full well that he is totally in charge. The book of Isaiah, chapter 46, uh, verse 9 to 11. Forty-six, ninety-eleven. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. And I like this verse, verse ten, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying. My counsel shall stand. And I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prayer from, from east. The man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring to pass. I have purpose and I will do it. Verse 10, God knows the beginning and the end. In, in the providence of humanity, God directs all things. He knows the history before it happens. And for sure, his providence is at work in our lives. There's another song. Maybe a spiritual song. <clears throat> he got the whole world in his hand. Remember reading really sex? I remember that song. God has the whole world in his hands. Nothing exists outside of his hand. Our salvation is secured in his hand. We are secured and assured because he has the whole world in his hands. And we take a couple of texts to reinforce God's sovereignty and will. First Corinthians 11, 12. First Corinthians 11. Verse at the end of it, it says, And all things are from God. All things are from God. And not all things. Ephesians 4 6. Ephesians 4 6. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all. So we, we set the stage as we get closer to, to the text. But when we say that all things are from God and all things are through Him, and all things are to him. Someone may raise a red, a red flag 
And the red flag is this. If you are saying that all things are from God and all things are through God, then how will we explain sin? How will we explain evil and wickedness? Legitimate question. But God used sin, used evil, used wickedness, all for his divine purpose. And we look at a few quick texts. Acts 2.23. It is for the predetermined plan. King James Version reads, him being delivered by the determined counsel and for knowledge of God. Yet you, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified him. So the first cause of all of this was God. Who determined what will happen here? But his counsel, but his foreknowledge. So, really, truly, Peter was saying here, look, it's the same, the same person crucified. You think that you captured him, but really, truly, it was all foreordained by God. One that you all would remember in Genesis 50, verse 20, very popular one, well known. But as for you, this is Joseph. You thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. So here it is that God used wickedness, evil, for his own divine purpose. It went on to say, to bring the past as it is this day, to save much people alive. And then another one that they like in Exodus 9.16 is also found in Romans 9.17. But I have raised you up for this very purpose. This is God uh, to Pharaoh. I, I raise up Pharaoh, I raise you up for this very purpose. That I will show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth wow so you see that god is so in control that there's anything that exists outside of his control even the the virus that is around we do not fear because we know that there is no loose events, you know, random events out there. Because God has total authority. So it's, it's nothing random, but all purpose for God's divine purpose. But Paul is making a profound point in the book of Romans. Very profound book. And 
and I should say he was making one profound point. Essential theological point that we get into French. Little suspense would it hurt, would it? I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. And this verse, verse 36, the first half of it, it says is the theological part from him to him and to him. And the last part is the doxology to him with the glory forever. No doxology, like I said earlier, the last thing, a short hymn of praise. And we couldn't get the doxology before we had the theology. Because the theology drives us to doxology. The study of God's word, well, it should lead us to worship should lead us to praise. So, here as Paul condemns all that he has written, I believe he dropped his knees in worship. All things are from his sovereign will. All things are through his sovereign activity, his providence, working all things out, holding things together, orchestrating things. And all things are to his sovereign glory. So, like I said, they know random events and that is comforting for us as believers no loose objects in the universe isn't that assuring and comforting that that everything is under God's sovereign his control the three verses sorry the three phrases condense Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 11 and has at its main focus the big theological point that Paul was making from number one to, to, to chapter 11. What was this, what was this gigantic pump that Paul was making? Paul, if you turn to a little more suspense, to Romans chapter one, verse one. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, to be one to be sent forth by, the, by God's authority. Set apart for what? For the gospel 
of God. That's how Romans started. Paul set apart for something for the gospel of God, for declaring the good news of salvation. And it took him from 1 Duncan 11. Early in Romans, Paul shows that the wrath of God revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men. Everybody, whether you're Jew or Gentile, the Jews thought that they, they, they had an inside trap before they had, they were they were close, you know, they had the, the park oracles of God. They were exposed to everything. The Gentiles were outside of that. But Paul let them know clearly. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And God's wrath is against ungodliness and unrighteousness, regardless to who you are. You're not, you're not um, shielded from the wrath of God because that you're a Jew or a Gentile. Sin exposed all of us. All of us were under the gun and no escape. That's really some bad news. Really bad news. But then, Paul went on and he developed his point. Verse 3, Paul introduced justification, being righteous by faith. Righteous <clears throat> chapter 5, that the just shall live by faith. Then he went on to introduce sanctification. Towards the end of chapter 8, glorification. And then election and predestination as you wind up towards 9, 9 to 11. So, right through, it was building and building and building the gates. Building and building until it reached Mount Everest. And wow, from the wrath of God that you and shows how one is justified, how you're predestinated by God's love and His love alone, by how we are elected, not having anything to do with election, but it's all God's love. For you have mercy on who you have mercy on. And it came then to this grand text, this grand doxology, and said, Oh, oh, the riches, the, 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 the riches and the wisdom of God. Who can fathom it? That a people that were not his people, he made his people. Not because they were special, 
but because of his love, because of election in time past. If we look to um, Ephesians 1 4. So, this was the big point that Paul was getting to. The major point. He being separated for the gospel and breakthrough, helping us to understand that <clears throat> salvation is from Him and Him alone and through Him and to His glory. Now Paul, as this relates to salvation, <clears throat> all things are from Him, every aspect of salvation is from God. This speaks to the doctrine of sovereign election. It speaks to the doctrine of sovereign foreknowledge and coordination. It speaks to the doctrine of predestination from before time began. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. This is all from His sovereign will. But more than that, the, the gospel shows us, has chosen us that we're chosen and we're saved by God and God alone. In Romans 1 again, you see how it ends, how it ends with the gospel of God and how Paul developed his point right through to, to 11. And here it is as he reflects on all that he would have written or all that he was inspired to write because it really is it's mind-boggling to think that an early man could, could paint that but when you reflect on what he was inspired to write it drove him to that doxology it drove him to worship but we see how salvation is from God. For who would bring the gospel message to us? None of these verses were, were random events. This was all about his sovereign will. This was all about his intention. In other words, um, God did not wait until something happened then to do something. As, as Ephesians 1 4 says, from before time began, election took place. So there were many different plans by God. There was one plan. There was not plan A, and if plan A failed, we didn't skip to plan B. And if plan B failed, we jumped to plan C. But it was one plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. One plan. You were the one who chose who chose us. You were the one who predestinated our salvation. You were the one who drew us out of pit of sin. You're the one who birthed us 
into the kingdom. We did not birth ourselves. You are the one who gave us the gifts of repentance and faith. Our only contribution was our sin that was laid upon Jesus at the cross. All of this is for the glory of God to give him the honor and the glory that belongs to him. So, who would have planned the virgin birth came from God. The sinless life of Christ, the sinless perfect life of Christ, his substitutionary death, the bodily resurrection, the present enthronement, Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. All of this will have been designed from God through Jesus Christ to his honor and for his glory. And, and therefore, we can see when Paul was saying that from him are all things, including our salvation. Through Him, our salvation, through Jesus Christ, and is for the praise of His glory. God is the one who has acted upon us and brought us to his kingdom. He has opened our spiritual ears, opened our hearts, take out the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. Give us a gift of repentance. Regenerate us. Give us faith that we can believe in Jesus Christ. So that at the great exchange on the cross, we will then cloak with the righteousness of Christ. So we see clearly how our salvation is from God, through Him, and to the praise of His glory. In Ephesians chapter 1, an observant eye will pick up that verse 6, verse 12, and verse 14. Verse 6, verse 12, and verse 14. Castle is recurring. He says, To the praise of the glory of his grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Salvation. The early part in Ephesians. No. no, it shows how God has chosen us. And then towards the end, you see uh, verse 12 to 14, we're sealed with the Spirit of God. All for the praise 
of the glory of his praise. As we acknowledge our salvation is from God, through God, and for his glory, what is our response? It acknowledges that as we pray, we ask God to move it from here to our hearts to life. What is our response? To live a life in response to His grace. According to the good old Puritans, all life to the glory of God. That seemed to be their uh, statement of faith. One that they live all their life for the glory of God is like lifting the, the doctrines of the pages of, of the Bible and living it out. That's what they were known for. Living out the doctrines, the teachings. Not merely the knowledge, not merely knowing, not only getting excited by it but actually living it up day by day in all aspects of their life. Also in his presence, as we respond to the knowledge of, of salvation by him and through him and, and his glory, to acknowledge his presence, to walk in his presence, to live in the fear of God, not meaning being frightened, but living reverence to God. To live what they too, the Puritans will call the Corundio the life, living in His presence. So, recognizing that God eyes are upon us. We live in before his presence, which is a good thing. And if you're not living right, it could be a scary thing. But knowing that God is actually present. So therefore, my life should reflect his presence. My life should reflect then what he has done. For me personally, in salvation what he has done through Christ and therefore if the text is to mean anything to us then we could only want to live it out to live in response to his grace to live all life for the glory of God, to live all life before the face of God. Not in a legalistic way, but because of the love of God. Therefore, you will want to live in accordance with the love that He has given us. We would you will have this passion to live up this life. Recognizing what he has done.
Was? So, from him is our all our salvation by his sovereign will. Through him, his sovereign activity in our lives. And to him, to the praise of his glory, of his grace. Amen.